Welcome into Fantasy Focus Football. Today's show is presented by Geico. Switch to Geico, see all the ways that you could save. It is Monday, August 28th. My name is Daniel Dopp, holding down the studio, seemingly all by myself. Usually my friend Field Jates or Mike Clay or Stefania Bell is here, but no, I'm all alone in the studio. And when that happens, it means only one thing. It means that our good friend Liz Loza is joining us for this show. Liz, so glad that you are here. How are you doing, kid? It's great to see your face. Uh-oh, we can't hear you. We're about to. There we go. Sorry, start again. I am doing wonderfully, and Thank I am you. excited for a cross-country connection here. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a ton of fun. A jam-packed show we have here today. We're going to talk about some of the drafts that you and I have done, a little bit of news right off the top, and we're going to go into a segment called Smash or Pass in which we tell you who we would rather draft over a couple of different choices. We also got a few things from the Props That Pops column that we have been doing together this year, Liz. So a lot of really exciting things on board. First and foremost, though, if you are listening to the show and you want to watch us, head on over to the NFL on ESPN YouTube page. Last week, we asked you guys to help us get up over 200,000 subscribers. Guess what? You freaking came through. We did it. You got us over 200,000. So now that means it's time for a new milestone. Let's get to 250. Let's keep on pumping this thing. NFL on ESPN in case you want to watch it. Otherwise, you can find us everywhere that you listen to podcasts. All right. Liz Loza. We're going to jump in first and foremost and talk about the news. we got plenty of time for nonsense as we go into the show. There's so much time for us to do things. But let's dive right in because we had some news last week. I want to make sure that we cover Josh Jacobs officially signed a new deal. One-year deal up to $12 million with per-game bonuses attached to it. We've been waiting to make sure that Josh Jacobs is going to be back on the field and his ADP has slid because of this situation. So now that he is officially under contract, I know what I've done with him. I'll tell you that afterwards. Have you changed your outlook on Josh Jacobs at all? I moved him up slightly in my rankings. I have him at, I believe, RB7. Uh, he's in right. that seven or eight range. Yeah. Really, it's like whether I feel like ranking him just ahead of or just behind Derrick Henry, but that's sort of the tier that I've moved him back up into. Yep, I am totally with you there. I think right now I have him as my RB8, right behind the uh, Nick Chubb, Tony Pollard, Derrick Henry in that same range. And part of that is because I know he finished as running back three last year, but the reason why he did that was because of like insane volume, almost 400 touches last year, and I'm expecting some regression. Every time you see that amount of volume from a player, I'm just expecting a little bit of regression the following year, which is why we don't have him up at RB3, why he's more at the back half of those RB1s. Well, and that's also why I mentioned Derrick Henry, because Derrick Henry is maybe the only running back, right? The anomaly to this 300 rushing attempt rule. Yeah. You usually see backs who've commanded over 300 rushing attempts regress pretty considerably. You know, the colloquial phrase would be that the juice is not there for them so much. You immediately <laughs> think about Zeke Elliott in this situation, right? Derrick Henry is the anomaly, so that's why I have him ranked just ahead of Jacobs. But yes, he's coming off of a 340 rush attempt season in which nobody believed in him and he proved to be an incredible value. But now I think if you do draft him, you know, within your top six, you're probably drafting him at peak value. Yeah, I think I'm with you in that because of the volume that we're expecting for him. And I think we see the situation pretty much the same. I do want to say really quickly, not a lot of update on Jonathan Taylor. The other side of that, Stephen Holder has said that there's possibly another team in the mix other than the Dolphins, but something to remember, they gave the Colts gave Jonathan Taylor a deadline, which was August 29th. 
Today, Liz, is August 28th. So that deadline is coming up real quick. We should have hopefully some more Jonathan Taylor news, if not later today, sometime tomorrow. We're hoping so. We'll keep an eye out on that one as well. All right. Wait, can I ask you a question about this, though? Yeah, can I, I ask it. you a question about Jonathan Taylor? Because I love that you mentioned the deadline. Also, a deadline? I know, like, right? Are we children? <laughs> is this homework? <laughs> I mean, I get that money is in play, but, like, what a finger wag. That doesn't really, like, build trust or improve relations. Regardless, um, if Jonathan Taylor can't find a suitor yeah. and he's like, well, I'm, what, like, 24 and I need some money. Um and he goes back to the team. Like, mm-hmm. let's assume all of this was just summer drama, clickbait joy, right? We, we enjoyed it to a certain degree. It was like watching a novella. Let's assume that he goes back. How do we feel about him going back? Do we push him back up? Or do you rather, because I know my answer is, do you push him back up in your rankings and you're like, you know what? He's going to get in there and he's going to see Anthony Richardson and he's going to be excited by this new regime and all of the love will come floating come flooding back right they went to couples therapy but then the love is back once they work out their differences assuming that differences get worked out i mean he's either in my mind like he's getting traded which i would think i would be excited about his value there if he doesn't get traded he's coming back to this team and i don't think he's as excited as he was right obviously he's got to be able to have enough games played to be able to accrue a season so that he could potentially move on in case he doesn't want to stay in indy next year but right now I've got Jonathan Taylor as running back nine. If he comes back Same to thing. this team and doesn't get traded, there's still enough talent inside of Jonathan Taylor that I can't just let him go past a certain certain depth of running back within my position, that like positional tiers. So I still have him as a top 10 back. He's just at the very end of that tier. And that's right now fallen in the late third, early fourth round. And it makes me nervous, but like I've, I've gone that route a couple times because if it does pay off, it's going to be great. Like I got a guy that could be a top five running back. And if it doesn't pay off, it was a late third or early fourth, not a first or second rounder that I burned on a guy. That's the way that I'm kind of approaching Jonathan right now. I think it's exciting to watch. And I just keep wondering, I mean, there are, this is not an apples to apples analogy, no. but there are shades of the cam acres situation from last season, right? Where you're like, Oh, could, could the bad, how are the bad feelings going to show out? Or will they even, like, will both sides just be adults and it'll be a work situation and everybody will put their emotions aside and get the job done? That's I have a, a tendency to feel like that's what's going to happen. I hope that that's what happens, right? For us as fantasy managers, the game is more fun when Jonathan Taylor is out there on the field and in our fantasy lineups because he is one of the best players in the NFL. So I really hope that they get this whole thing figured out. All right, okay. let's talk about, you know what, Liz? I had a draft this last weekend. Did you have a draft this last weekend? I did. I had a draft on Sunday and it was full tilt, man. My gosh. Uh, My draft was unreal. By the way, shout out to our friends over at Trophy Smack. Draft boards are available on trophysmack.com in case you are still drafting. Hopefully you have not drafted yet. You maybe got one coming up this weekend. If you do, guess what? Two-day shipping on Trophy Smack draft boards. 20% off with the discount code FOCUSDRAFT. And if you want to get one of these epic belts or a turnover chain for a trophy for your league, you can get 10% off with the code FOCUSDRAFT. Belt. I need to get one of these for the crappy bands league that we are drafting right now. But Liz, I had a home league draft this weekend. It was a salary cap draft. And it felt like everything that I had sort of prepared for, kind of like half of it got thrown out the window because my home league is a bunch of idiots. And they don't do the things they're supposed to do that we talk about on this show. 
So I don't know if I'm the only one that gets like frustrated by my friends because they don't do it right. But I would love to hear about how your drafts went this weekend because I think all of us are right now in the midst of if we haven't done drafts, they're all getting ready to start piling up here as we get closer to the season. 100%. I had the exact same experience, right? Okay, we've been good, doing mock good. drafts every week. We've got our picks. <laughs> we've got our takes. We've got our rankings. We are in it. And then, like, Jalen Hurts goes at the top of the second round. And I was like, oh, I'm friends. Guys. What are you doing? <laughs> this isn't well, – you can't just do that. But that's, like, the fun of it. And here's what I learned. I have impeccable self-control. Like, oh. my ability to not go full tilt when – Najee Harris drops to like the fifth round. I, I was, I just had to sit there and pat myself on the back wait, and be like, just wait. That's cool. Y'all no big deal. No big deal. It's Fine. okay. If he falls that far. I mean that I, I, in my draft, I always, there's like two teams that always just want to draft. It's a 12 team league. They always want to draft three quarterbacks. And it's like, what do you need Josh Allen and Justin Fields and Kenny Pickett for? Like, why do you need three quarterbacks in a 12-team league? And then, especially because it's a, a, a salary cap draft, it's like all of the prices are very different than everything that oh. I had planned on because of that. So I feel like we've been in the thick of it, Liz. Anything else crazy happened in your drafts? Because Najee Harris falling to the fifth isn't like, that seems kind of crazy to me. But, hey, everyone has different home leagues. You know what I mean? I mean, there were two surprises, but I want to ask you, because I think that this is important for people who listen to the show regularly and consume our content and do feel like they've done a ton of homework and a ton of research. Cause there's always like one or two or three like grenade humans who are in a draft. You're just like, boom, didn't yes. see that coming. I'm gonna blow the whole thing up. So like, how do you, if you know that there's some person who's going to take three quarterbacks, do you let that psychology affect you and then do what we all say you shouldn't do and reach for a quarterback. I mean, I know that like the trope is know your league. Cool, cool, cool. Also, you can't let someone incept your brain and you end up with this team that you absolutely hate. Right. Also, it's more like no freaking insanity. And I don't like, I don't live in my friends' brains and their brains are insane. I don't know why the, why they do the things that they do, but it, it got me to a point. I wanted to leave. I want to leave drafts with a certain level of quarterback. Here's how I'll say this. I, I want to get one of those top seven to eight guys, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson. Like that's the end of my starting tier for mm -hmm. me. Like that's where I want to be. I couldn't grab anyone because especially in a salary cap draft, I was like, I'm not spending more than $12 or $15 on a quarterback. And every time that number keeps going up, it's like, I just got to let someone else waste more of their budget and hope that I'm going to have someone else fall to me. So I ended up getting Tua for $7, not my favorite thing in the world, but when I have guys like Patrick Mahomes going for 45 or Josh Allen going for 28 and, and like everybody is a, a $20 plus player at that point, it's like, I just got to keep holding out. I got to keep holding out and keep it together emotionally. Cause I'm starting to lose my calm, right? They are damaging my yep. calm by drafting all of these quarterbacks. I'm watching my board just completely clear out, but like, I can't overpay for a player. That was such a difficult exercise for me not to lose it when those things were happening on the board, Liz. Yes, but you just <laughs> answered the question beautifully. You did not let them harsh your vibe. You did not let them um, blow up your theoretical wallet, right? Like you stayed the course instead of getting into a bidding war for Josh Allen, who you didn't really even want in the first place. And I right. think that is such a huge takeaway that we can tell people like this is going to happen in every draft. None of it's going to go the way you plan. Congratulations. Welcome to living 101. Exactly. Right? 
<laughs> you're going to be confronted with things that you never expected to be confronted with. And so you just have to go in with some founding principles and keep rolling with them. I am totally with you. One of the things I'll say this too, I've really enjoyed being able to uh, establish the kind of draft strategy that I want to take into this season. I've been doing a big, long draft strategy as a part of ESPN Fantasy. Uh, you can check it out right now on ESPN.com slash fantasy. And one of the things that I've done as the draft strategy is I've really leaned into this year with the way that the board has been falling, the anchor RB or, or hero RB strategy. It's been the one that I love the most. You talked about it a ton leading into the season. You talked about it last year. It's one of the things that you do. I just want you to know I'm finally on Team Loza. I am all in on this draft strategy, especially with, the, and you can't do this every year, but the way that the board is falling this year, I absolutely love it. Is that something that you are doing again, or have you shifted to a different strategy? Oh, no, I am all in on Anchor RB. Although in my home league, Bijan Robinson, I had the 12th pick in a half-point PPR 12-team league, and Bijan was there at 12. At 12? And I was 12. He was there at 12. And what? I have not – I don't I, – I, yes. And so I was like, okay, like I have been Joe Mixing-ing it. Yep. I have yep. been <laughs> Najee Harrising it, right? And I was like, I I guess I got Bijan. Like, I got to take it. I'm going to do it. And so then though, it was really difficult to not try to scoop up one of those value RBs mm -hmm. that I've been regularly targeting. I was like, all right, James Cook, you're not on this squad now. Like yeah. that's not going to happen for me. So yes. The other thing I wanted to say was that even though you might have you, the collective might have like your list of bus candidates, right? Like I'm not touching that guy. You will if he falls far enough. Yep. Like you have to allow yourself to entertain a potential deal. And for me, that was Mike Williams, who is my actual bust in our round table <laughs> sleepers bust and breakouts. Yeah. But he was still on the board at the end of the eighth round. And I was like, what are we doing? Uh, okay. I'm, I'm going to take him here. And then I'm going to take Jordan Addison with my next pick so that I have some balance. There's nothing wrong with that. Eighth round for, for Mike Williams. I I feel like this is one of those situations, and we talk about this every year. I've said it before. Mike helped me realize this. Every year there is value that, that comes up in the draft. Last year we talked about it. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. Nobody wanted them because of that situation. But eventually it got to a point where it's like, hey, man, in spite of the fact it's not the situation that I want, they're just better players than the guys that are on the board. They could just produce more than some of these other dudes. So this is where you got to be able to put those blinders on. Again, take off the emotional hedging that you do because you don't like a guy and say this is about value. This is about numbers for my team. I don't have to like the person. It's about getting, making sure that I get the production for my fantasy team. So, Liz, are we, I could talk about, honestly, I could talk about draft strategy literally all day long. Like the, uh, It's one of my favorite things in the world, watching the way that a board falls, being able to talk about would you do this or would you do that? And that's actually what we're going to dive into. Smash or pass is brought to you by Geico. Switch to Geico to see other ways that you could save. And looking at the draft board, let's say we're going into a draft. That's how I'm going to approach these conversations. We are on the board. We've got to take one of these three players. I'm going to give us three players that we're going to talk about. You're going to smash draft on one of them, and you're going to pass on the other two. Okay? We're going to start the wide receiver position. T. Higgins coming off the board. The 29th overall pick, Chris Olave coming off the board with the 30th pick, and Devonta Smith at 32.5. That's their ADP. 
You have to smash or pass on one of these wide receivers. Are you, Liz Loza, looking at the wide receiver one on his own team in Chris Olave, expecting more this year, or the wide receiver twos of their own teams, but on better offenses in Devonta Smith and T. Higgins? Really fun conversation. Who are you smashing? Who are you passing? I mean, I hate you for starting with this because That's you're going to make right? me look like a liar. Yes, because I have T. Higgins ranked ahead of Chris Olave, and yet Chris Olave has is my breakout player of the year. He's, yes. my, he's my must-have player of the year. And so do I, I – I do think oh, – it's such a cop-out to say, like, well, based on who I took in the first round. No, forget like rankings. Probably, do yeah, it. Yeah, no. Probably I'm going to pick Chris Olave yes! and like my rankings. I'm like, with you. If I'm being honest, I will just say I have a stat that is important for T. Higgins that I wanted to share because this might change things. We all know that okay. Higgins has gone over a thousand yards yep. for two straight years. But when Jamar Chase was on the field, um, Higgins averaged 4.7 catches per game and 67.3 receiving yards per game. That number jumped to six and a half receptions per game and 92.7 receiving yards per contest when Chase was sidelined. Mm. Mm. I don't think that Chris Olave has that sort of ceiling in his potential outcomes. In fact, Mike Clay has them both um, projected for almost the exact same amount, 120 targets for Olave, 100. Interesting. But... I don't want to bet on Jamar Chase. They is the wide receiver one. So I feel like assuming he's my number two, that in a draft every day. Yeah, I think I, I am with you, Liz, on a lot of that conversation. I think we see it the same way. I like Chris Olave in spite of the fact that I have him actually ranked lower than both T. Higgins and Devonta Smith because I think there is a chance that in this offense, he, there are less targets to go around. I'm not as worried about Michael Thomas as I am about A.J. Brown or Dallas Goddard. I'm not as worried about Jamar Chase. Excuse me. I'm, not, I'm more worried about Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd than I am, again, about Rashid Shahid or Michael Thomas. So give me, if I'm going to pick one of these guys, in spite of what my rankings say, which is why I love that you said it, because right now when I look at this, I would take... Chris Olave, number one overall in this situation. And then I would probably go Devonta Smith, understanding the way that he has been so good. Even when A.J. Brown was good last year, <clears throat> Devonta Smith still, like, totally crushed in, like, a, an insane way. He was a better wide receiver post-week one than A.J. Brown was, I think, the rest of the season. So I would smash Chris Olave. Devonta Smith would be my number two, but I would pass on him. And then it would go to T. Higgins. And it feels bad saying anything negative about any of these guys because they're all so stinking good at football, Liz. I, like, I don't want you guys just to clip out the negative stuff I'm saying about these guys because it's really hard to uh. choose between them. All right. Yeah, I agree. To me, to me, it's Olave, Higgins, and then Smith because I think what Smith did was pretty special, and I don't know if it can be replicated. And again, we're looking at peak value here. Right, right, peak value. We're talking end of the third, beginning of the fourth round when we're looking at those wide receivers. All right, let's go ahead and look at this poll right now. We put up a poll on Fantasy Focus on X. You can follow us at Fantasy Focus Live over there. Chris Olave, 
was far and away the number one choice with 75%. Devonta Smith was number two with 12. T. Higgins was third with 11%. So I think the community, at least right now, that is watching it, sees it the same way that we do, Liz. All right, let's move ahead and talk about these running backs next. This is a really tough one. This is right in that hero RB tier for you, that number two running back, Liz. If they can fall maybe a little bit farther down the draft board, you got James Conner. We have Rashad White and Miles Sanders. And this one is really tough for me. I look at James Conner as a guy that is uber productive, but not sexy or exciting in any way, shape, or form. Over the last five seasons, he has been top 12 three times. But that offense is going to be really bad in Arizona. There's not a lot to look forward to. The quarterback play is going to be subpar, and that's saying it kind of nicely. I think you look at Rashad White, and we're all expecting him to be able to be like take a step this year, especially with no Leonard Fournette. But there's question marks about what Rashad White's going to look like in this offense with Baker Mayfield under center. Love him as a pass catcher. And then Miles Sanders moving him on from Philly to Carolina last year. He had over 1,000 yards rushing and double-digit touchdowns. In large part, though, because that Philly offense was smashing every single week. Is he going to do that same thing here in this Carolina Panthers offense? This is a really hard one for me. If I'm going to pick one, though, I'm going to smash Rashad White. And I'm going to pass on James Conner and Miles Sanders. Liz, which way do you fall? It's the same conflict for me, right? Because we've been hyping up White. We've been hyping up his upside. And we saw flashes of what he could do as the RB1 in Tampa Bay. But we're a little bit worried about the efficiency in a post-Tom Brady era. None of these teams are projected to be particularly good, right? So um, I think the upside goes with White. But I would smash Connor in this situation because you're running back. And this is what Jacobs last year does not need to be your soulmate. He just needs to be your RB2. That's, that's fair. That's fair. That's a little bit of an emotional hedge to say he's not my soulmate because every time I draft the player, Liz, they get tattooed on my heart is sort of how it feels throughout the season. So, you Oh, know. girl, we need to work on your boundaries. Yeah, who are you telling? I've had a lot of, a lot of scars <laughs> in there. That's all I'm saying. It's a really tough one, though, because Miles Sanders is another guy that I think is uh, – I think Miles Sanders is continually overlooked, and especially now that he is in Carolina – as a non-pass catcher for the majority of his career, this is going to be one of those things. If he can just open up a little bit of, of work in the pass catching game, he could absolutely outperform what this is, but we haven't seen it. And so because it's on an offense led by a rookie and we have low expectations, he's another one of those guys. I think it's a great spot where you can get value. Another one of those guys that a lot of times I see falling down draft boards because it's not fun to take a guy on that offense. So I like Miles Sanders as well. I would pass on him, but this is, I just I don't like our producers today. These are these are some really tough choices to have to choose between. Um, you took James Conner. I took Rashad White. Do you want to do a board bet as to which one of these is going to be better this year? Oh, you're going to make me bet against him. Oh, sure, let's do it. You want to do it? Put it on the board. Yeah, let's. All do right. It. So we've been doing this a minimum of eight games played, and we're doing fantasy points per game. So I say that Rashad White averages more fantasy points per game this season. Than James Conner. I don't think that that's a fair bet because I'm worried that uh, fine. You know what? No, it's okay. No, all right. I, let's like, hedge. How do you want to hedge it? How do you want? Let, you know what? Maybe we wait. Maybe this isn't the one for us, Liz. We got a lot of props that pop coming up. Maybe we find another one later on in the show. Okay. I, I feel like Connor's probably going to give you more overall numbers, better overall numbers, and White will probably deliver more 
per game juice. Oh, all right. But, all right. That's fair. But I think we should wait. Gonna, I, I can't do this one. Yep. I'm not ready. I am now emotionally back. hedging against yep. myself. Walking it back. That's all right. We got boundaries, Liz. I'm respecting them. Okay. That's how it works. Thank you. Uh, let's move ahead and talk about these rookie wide receivers. This one is also a really fun conversation. Every year we talk about not getting too invested into rookie hype, right? A lot of times we see some of these rookie kids come out and just totally smash their first year, but it's not an expectation that all of these guys are going to do that right now. You're looking at Jackson Smith and Jigba coming off the board in the 11th, Jordan Addison coming off the board in the 12th and Zay flowers coming off the board in the 13th round. Liz smash or pass. On these three wide receivers, you go ahead and set the table. Oh, wow. Because part of this exercise is where they are going. It's not just which of these players would I prefer to have. So for me, it's between Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers. I like Jackson Smith and Jigba. I think he's a great player. Don't love the wrist surgery. Don't love that he's buried as the potential number three on the Seahawks depth chart. Um, But I do think if we're looking at value and where a player is available, then give me Zay Flowers is my smash. Addison is my reluctant pass. And JSN is an easier pass. I'm totally with you. I hate to say this. Everyone tells me, oh, Daniel, you just agree with everyone that's on the show. I don't know what to say. We see a lot of things the same way. I'm with you on Zay Flowers. If I'm picking someone from this group, be able to get Zay Flowers in the 13th round, right? I'm looking at JSN. He's got to be able to split time. First off, he's a little bit banged up, right? He had that surgery. We're going to see how he comes back. But he's got to split time with two really good running backs and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So I think the situation is not quite as good there. You look at Jordan Addison. I think he's in a really nice situation opposite of Justin Jefferson. He's got TJ Hawkinson there also being able to help be able to open up things for him. But Zay Flowers is just the guy to me that feels so much more exciting Odell Beckham Jr. over his first three years in the league played, had like more everything, everything across the board, more receiving yards, more receiving touchdowns, more receptions, more targets, everything than he has had over his last six years combined. And that's in part because he can't stay healthy. So if you're telling me Odell Beckham Jr., who we've loved, but has not been the wide receiver that he was during the first three years of his career, And Rashad Bateman seems like the lost guy in this Ravens offense that also was never able to get healthy. Of course, Mark Andrews is going to get his, but Zay Flowers feels like the one that potentially has that league winning upside in the 13th round of drafts. I'm smashing Zay Flowers. That's the wide receiver I want in part because of what you said, Liz, 13th round. It's about ADP. It's not just about these players. Yeah, this is an excellent player. He's super crafty, incredible awareness, really crisp routes, quick feet. He also was able to produce at beasts for the field, not just in the slot, which is something I think is worth mentioning with these other two wide receivers. And he could potentially finish, as I think you were intimating, number two behind Mark Andrews in this uh, offense that we're expecting to be a little bit more pass heavy with new offensive coordinator, Ton Monken at the helm. So value late round league winner here for it. I didn't intimate hard enough, Liz, as we have a poll from our YouTube chat, Jordan Addison at 45%, Zay Flowers at 42%, JSN at 12%. I think that JSN injury really hurt. And also the fact that there's just more weapons in that offense for him. So uh, really interesting the way that we're splitting that one up between Jordan Addison and Zay Flowers. I just, it's hard. Again, I don't want to say negative things about any of these guys. I'm really pumped about uh, all three of them coming in the league. All right, let's talk about some tight ends, Liz. This is, I feel like, where we get the real Liz Loza unlocked. 
You are and oh. have been the tight end whisperer for ESPN Fantasy ever since you got here. It was a role that we needed filled. And now we're going to talk about Dalton Schultz, Tyler Higby, or rookie Dalton Kincaid. Dalton Schultz coming off the board in the 13th round. Tyler Higby coming off the board in the 13th round. And Dalton Kincaid, a 15th round option. This one is really tough for me because I don't love any of them. It's like you're totally passing and punting on the tight end position, Liz. If you're taking a dart throw, which direction would you be going here at the tight end position? Well, it's a little bit tricky because Dalton Schultz is probably the least uh, exciting option in that we know what we have here, right? We've seen him work as a safety valve for numerous seasons for Dak Prescott. We believe there is that trope, right, that a rookie quarterback needs a security blanket over the middle of the field, and we know that Dalton Schultz could be that, but are we excited to draft any of the Titans outside of Damian Pierce and maybe Nico Collins really late, like not particularly. Nope. Um, I don't think there's a lot of like touchdown upside here for Schultz. And that's kind of what you're looking for at the tight end position. Tyler Higby attached to a really lackluster offense. Um, in fact, down the stretch without Cooper cup on the field last season, Higby's volume did not explode. He was actually more productive and more regularly targeted at the beginning of the season. Now, maybe that had something to do with the different quarterbacks that were under center down the stretch of 2022, but Kincaid. Yeah. And we are, we are, we love Mm. in fantasy. Like we are so tempted and, um, the, the, the lust of upside is so strong in the fantasy loins mm. that Kincaid is someone that you can't not consider. If you are waiting at tight end, like, is he going to produce immediately? This is the problem because he's a rookie. Like, do we want, do we expect that throughout the month of September and maybe even before October, is he really going to get going or does he need to get his rookie sea legs underneath him? That's probably true. So then you're kind of like, uh, what am I doing for the first six to eight weeks of the season? But this is also a player attached to an incredibly lit offense, one that we want every piece of that has a shockingly thin receiving core that we're expecting to fill the power slot role while Dawson Knox moves into more of a blocking role on the offense. We know Josh Allen loves him. The team traded up to get him. He was an absolute receiving star in college, I think I've just talked myself into Kincaid smash. I think you talked me into Kincaid smash too, Liz. I got, <laughs> I got to be honest. Like I don't love Tyler Higby. I know what he did last year. I'm with you on all the, excuse me, all the stuff that you talked about. Um, but I am worried about that offense. Rams offense is not going to be good. Right. And I'm more worried about Matthew Stafford being a 38 year old, like quarterback that has unfortunately been through it when it comes to injuries. And there's at least some concern there for me from that perspective. Everything that you said about Dalton Schultz makes a ton of sense. But if he's not a guy that is going to be a chain mover, seeing 75, 80 receptions a season, then he's got to be able to get in the end zone for him to be a starting tight end for you uh, at that point. And coming from that Dallas offense, I don't know if I expect more out of him than what we saw last year when he was already so involved in that offense in Dallas. So, at that point, it, it leads us to this conundrum that we're in, because I think you laid it out really nicely. I would rather have Dalton Kincaid. Give me the upside of this rookie. Give me the guy that potentially could be the number two pass catcher in a Josh Allen-led offense. I'm not sold that Gabe Davis is going to be number two in targets. It's not going to be Dawson Knox. Like I, I'm not sure who I feel like has the ability 
outside of Kincaid in this role that it feels like they drafted him to play. But what do you do for the first six weeks of the season? I don't think that I can, like, as you're saying that, I don't feel like I can start Dalton Kincaid week one and be like, yep, I've got a starting tight end, good to go. So am I, am I drafting two tight ends? Am I going to go out and try and grab a guy like Tyler Higby to start for the first three or four weeks, even though I don't like him, but he should have more consistency with Matthew Stafford, while then Dalton Kincaid gets a little bit of chemistry built with Josh Allen, and then after weeks four, five, six, seven, you deploy him? I, I don't know. There's some roster construction strategy there that I don't totally love with the part of this question, Liz. That's like, what do you do with, with that? Like, would you roster two tight ends, or would you just roll the dice on Dalton Kincaid as your only tight end? for week one it's an interesting it's an interesting dilemma because i think if you don't draft one of those top tier tight ends and i mean like anyone after darren waller so if you're avoiding if you don't want to draft a tight end after round like five i mean i i guess some people like dallas goddard but to me that's like the mendoza line of what's gonna work or what's not okay um can we call it the mendoza line oh do you mind? I mean, I just got shivers up my spine. <laughs> TM, TM. <laughs> okay, so that one. Okay, got it. So, so, wow. so we've established we've established the Menlo's line. No big deal. Dallas Goddard does not make the cut. Sorry, Dallas. <laughs> no, um, but this is a perfect peach season discussion. By the way, I love it. Um, so, uh, so then if you're not going to do that, you are forced to throw darts towards the end of your draft in the double digit rounds. And part of the, I mean, do you want to spend two roster spots on a tight end? Probably not. I still think though that Kincaid might be the option and you're probably after week one going to cut some other low end running back. Yep. Maybe you're a person who did, who drafted three quarterbacks. Like they're not all going <laughs> to stay on your roster either. So I think you can play the matchups a little bit. And I might just roll out Kincaid and see, like, I don't know, maybe he gets hot, maybe he gets lucky earlier. Yeah. I mean, if you have a really great roster everywhere else and you're literally waiting until what would be the 15th round to address your tight end position, yeah. then, like, maybe you can roll the dice. That's a part of the roster construction that we can talk about. I would be smashing on Dalton Kincaid, passing on Tyler Higby, passing less hard on Dalton Schultz. Um, but, Liz, something to mention. In this salary cap draft that I did over the weekend – a bunch of the people were there in person. I was one of the only people drafting remotely. So they're all there at my buddy Kurt's house, having a draft, a couple of drinks, food, and all that stuff. And something comes up, someone nominated Kyle Pitts. And um, I'm not a, you know, I'm not trying to go out and get Kyle Pitts, but but especially in a salary cap draft, you always put in a couple bids in the beginning just because you never know what happens. Something happens in the room and they start talking about some stuff. And all of a sudden I bid and I got a three dollar bid on Kyle Pitts and I'm watching the timer like count down and there I'm seeing him on the Zoom. They're all talking about some other thing. I'm like, am I going to get Kyle Pitts for $3? Am I going to get Kyle Pitts for $3? Then guess what happened? I got Kyle Pitts for $3. Because sometimes in those drafts, especially when you're having like a live draft with your friends, sometimes stuff happens. And if you're on the clock, especially in a salary cap draft, like people, they stop forgetting. Hey, you know what? You got to be on 24 hours, seven days a week when you're doing a salary cap draft. You can't turn off for any of that. So anyways. I was really excited of all the things that happened. I was able to get really great tight end value because, again, my league is just full of a bunch of idiots that don't know what they're doing. But I love Well, them. that is great. Kudos to you. And also maybe the narrative surrounding Kyle Pitts forces value. Like, there are two this – is, this is what we talked about at the beginning, right? Like, I'm never doing Kyle Pitts again. Hashtag burnt takes for life. Yep. Like, come on. 
sometimes this was the value. You got it. You got to go with the flow. Couldn't yeah. say no to it. All right, we're going to move on and talk about some props that pop after this, Liz. But first, I am going to pay some bills. Is that all right with you? Please do. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Well, of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage, plus an easy-to-use mobile app available, 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. And Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways that you can save. It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. With the NFL season right around the corner, nonstop football action is in sight. You can get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Nobody's missing out on all the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app before kickoff. Use code FFF to get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you get bet just $5 on any NFL bet. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code FFF. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling at 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resorts in Kansas. 21 plus eligible. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co, dkng.co slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. All right, Liz, you want to talk for a while? I'm going to take a minute to be able to catch my breath. Every once in a while, that DraftKings read at the end, just like, you know, it gets you. There's a lot of words to be able to get in in a short amount of time. All right. This year, Liz, you brought me into the fold. I want you to set up what we're doing this year. Props That Pop is a column that you wrote last year that is a look at the sports betting landscape, but also has a little bit of like a fantasy spin because we're fantasy people at the same time. So when we're looking at Props That Pop, what is it? Well, so... I think you just mentioned we're fantasy people, but also we can look at props because guess what? These two things are wonderful bedfellows, right? Props are really informative in as, as you they're informative to projections, right? Like if you were thinking about how a player might do a particular week, go look at what Vegas is saying, right? Like it's just a nice, um, it's just a nice starting point. And so I think that a lot of these props can tell a fantasy story. So if you are, and we love the preseason ones, right? Because we're sitting here talking about like our guys, Rashad White, um, you know, Chris Olave, like James Cook for me. So what is Vegas saying about these? And how do the um, over under odds, you know, conflict with or match up with Mike Clay's projections, for example, (laughs) you know? So I like to look at these players and particularly the ones that I'm super high on, my flag players, and see what the market is saying, um, and then kind of use that to build a fantasy bridge and tell a fantasy story. And so you and I have taken what was fantasy improv last year and props that prop props that pop, which I wrote solo last year, and yep. kind of smashed them together um, into a more conversational, fun, less here are my picks, boom, 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 <laughs> but more like wow. Look at these stories. Like, I did not expect Vegas to be this high or this low on this player. And how does that jive with where I have them ranked in my own expectations of them? 
Yeah. So let's dive into this, Liz. We've already covered a couple of columns. Uh, right now we've done quarterbacks and we've done running backs. One of the props that we covered was Trevor Lawrence. Everyone's excited to see what this kid can do in his third year. We watched him take a step from year one to year two. And now he gets Calvin Ridley to be able to throw the football to, adding to Christian Kirk, adding to Zay Jones. Sometimes I think people forget about Zay Jones and how good he was last year in this offense. Like, he was phenomenal. Uh, still has Evan Ingram as a chain mover in that offense. Right now, the over-under is at 4,050 passing yards. Mike Clay has his projection just under 3,900 passing yards. We talked about this a little bit earlier this year, but are you taking the over or the under on Trevor Lawrence this year? So I'm going to have to walk a couple things I just said back because I am all in on Trevor Lawrence this year. (laughs) Um, In fact, I talked him up in my debut column called Facts Versus Feelings, which ran over the weekend and is going to be a regular weekly column that I write throughout the season. And Trevor Lawrence is one of the biggest, like, I got big feelings Mm -hmm. about my man, like the blonde hair, the generational talent, the Calvin Ridley, the top the top 12, I believe, strength of schedule, all of it. And yet he is still, what, 23 years old. This offensive line is still a disaster. We did see growth in season from Trevor Lawrence, which I think is important to note because this gives us an idea of where he might start this next year. Right. Um, But there's still opportunity for him to make some boneheaded choices. Mm-hmm. And there's still an opportunity for this offensive line to let him down. And while I do think he could probably pass for around 4,100 yards at 4,050, I don't like this bet. It is too close. And so I'm going to take the under that, however, does not negate the big feelings I have about his potential to hit the over. I think so. We saw this similarly when we wrote the column. Another thing that gave me a little bit of pause is just the amount of rushing that he does. I mean, he had 73 rush attempts his rookie year. He had 62 rush attempts last year. It's a thing that he does. Like he uses his legs. He's a mobile quarterback, maybe not as much as some of these other guys. But when you talk about a guy that can maybe rush for, you know, at 300, 250 to 450 yards for a season. And now you're talking about, well, we need to make sure we get to 4,000. Like that's part of where this, you know, you kind of fall in this gray area here. So as much as I love Trevor Lawrence, I am on him as well this year. He's one of the quarterbacks I want to leave fantasy drafts with, but I don't think that there is enough juice or enough space in this line for me to feel like I can take the over on it. So I'm going to take the under on 4,050 passing yards for Trevor Lawrence. All right. Liz, now that we started out really depressing and on a down note, how, how come we should always start by taking an over, even though I know those are the ones that pay off all the time? It's just like, I don't want to say negative things about a player. It's just not as fun. Let's talk about Josh Allen. Josh Allen's over-under right now is 575 rushing yards, 575 and a half rushing yards, which feels like a metric ton for a quarterback to say like, oh yeah, definitely Josh Allen can get to almost 600 rushing yards as a quarterback. I believe when we did this column, Liz, that I took the under here on. Yep. Oh, I take it back. I took the over on this one, actually. Now that I'm realizing, I I thought that I wasn't wrong on this one. But in looking at the way that the Bills use Josh Allen, it's tough to be able to say that he's not going to be, again, one of the top rushing quarterbacks in the NFL. Did you take the over or under on 575 rushing yards for Josh Allen? Okay, well, here's the thing. I mean, you mentioned fun. 
who is more fun to watch escape the pocket than Josh Allen? Like he plays, and I had a former colleague that would say this, he plays like his hair's on fire. And yep. that is glorious from a like sit back and watch this gladiator do his thing perspective. He has cleared 760 rushing yards in back-to-back seasons. Oh, that's good. So, yeah. But because of the elbow injury and because of various comments from Sean McDermott, like I don't think that the Bills want him to be such a wild man under center. I think they would like him to like maybe be a little bit more disciplined in his rushing. But again, that is the thing that makes him so special. So how do you... How do you teach a player to temper, to not like give it all up right away? Like, how do you teach them to temper and discipline that which makes them so special and not just like literally leave it all on the field every single game? Yeah. So I do think there's going to be a regression. I do think he'll probably run for under seven, <clears throat> excuse me, under 700 rushing yards. But I don't think that that is magically like the thing that makes him so special is not wave a magic wand going to disappear immediately. Evolution takes time. And so I expect a regression on his rushing yards from last year, but I don't think he'll dip under 600, assuming he stays healthy throughout the season. What a high number. Like, I don't think that I disagree with you, but what a high number to be like, yeah, I think he'll probably have 600 rushing yards again as a quarterback. But this is part of, and I wrote it in the column when we did this, this is part of, like you laid out, Josh Allen is a certain kind of player. The Bills know the kind of player that he is. Yes, they want to preserve him. Trust me, they know that. They want to preserve him for as long as possible for their franchise. But they're also not going to change who Josh Allen is. You let the guy go out and be the superstar that he is for your team. That's just a part of it. So with all that being said, even though we like James Cook to come on and maybe be another like better part of this running game here, I still think Josh Allen is going to be over 575. I as well took the over with you on this column, Liz, So or on this prop. So I'm going to take the over on Josh Allen. Over 575 rushing yards. That at least balances it out. We had one over. We had one at the quarterback position. Then I don't feel like we're being too negative, so that's nice. Let's move ahead and talk about Bijan Robinson. Bijan is so much fun. Like, in talking about rookie running backs, just rookies in general, right? So much of this is just straight-up anecdotal. Like, I know we can project based on what last year's running game looked like. I know that the they... The Falcons had more than 160, almost 160 yards per game on the ground behind Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson and Marcus Mariota. We know they want to run a ton. We know that's a part of what Arthur Smith wants to do. But we haven't seen Bijan be out there. And in spite of all the things that we saw from Bijan in college, there is just this always we're projecting these high-end rookie running backs to just be superstars almost right out of the gate. So, Liz... 1,000 rushing yards for Bijan Robinson. 1,050 rushing yards for Bijan Robinson. That doesn't even seem that, that crazy to me. You're taking the over or under no, on that one? Uh, for I Not to like bury the lead here, but like I'm doing the over immediately. <laughs> but you said something that like we make these rookie running backs. We give them these like superhero type um, projections and expected st- stat sheets. But there's reason for that we have data that supports that argument here is a list daniel of the eight running backs who were drafted like robinson top eight overall since 2006 okay reggie bush adrian peterson darren mcfadden trent richardson ezekiel elliott leonard fournette 
Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. That, my friend, is pretty good company. Each of those players averaged, wait for it, 270 touches, over 1,400 scrimmage yards, 53 catches, and 10 and a half touchdowns in their rookie seasons. Liz, Liz, if Trent Richardson can do it, B. John Robinson Girl. can do it. Girl. Like on a team, on a team that led the league in rushing attempts, that with a quarterback that is, can we say not quite proven? Yeah, we can say that. You can say it. I didn't say it, but Liz Loza said Desmond Ritter is not quite proven. Go ahead and clip that if you guys want. <laughs> All I'm saying is I'm with you on this one. Ten thousand and fifty. Listen, I, I do want to say this. I've been talking a lot with Falcons reporter Mike Rothstein. Um, him and I are in a Madden franchise, so we talk all the time about this, right? I go back and forth with him about how, yeah, I'm just saying no big deal. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, co- we'll, we'll cover that another time. Anyways, I made you yeah, you did. I was, I was going to say something. I decided not to about it. But <laughs> I, I'll say this. Bijan Robinson should see 300-plus touches this year, but he's also going to be heavily utilized in the passing game. This is not just a guy that they want to give the ball to and just tote the rock. Like they want to be able to give him the ball in space. Rothstein has made it clear to me. Trust me, they're going to use this guy as a wide receiver at times, in part because they still like the guy that they have behind him in Tyler Algier. So there will be situations where you're able to be able to split Bijan Robinson. That's the only thing that maybe makes me a little worried, but like 1,050 rushing yards, his rookie season as the number eight overall pick. Yeah, I'm all in on this one. It, I, I hate to say it feels easy because I think that's where you get got. But this one feels easy. So maybe I'm going to get got. What are you going to say? All right. We got a couple more. We're going to lay this one out with Liz Loza. David Montgomery. I was really excited to pick this one. David Montgomery over or under six and a half rushing touchdowns coming over from your Chicago Bears to my Detroit Lions. He is going to be playing that Jamal Williams role that saw an unbelievable number of goal to go carries last year. It is not going to happen again, in spite of the fact that Jamal Williams led the NFL last year in goal to go carries. But does this role in this Detroit Lions offense for David Montgomery see over or under six and a half rushing touchdowns this year, Liz? I'm actually not going to answer first. And not that I would ever disrespect your ability to work traffic here as the host. I, I will kiss the ring. However, I know how passionate you are about this player. And so I feel like you should lead it off for the people. I don't want to do anything that might, that might um, put a damper oh. on your extreme excitement. How dare you, Liz? All right. I appreciate you. I, I appreciate you sending this one back to me. A little Jason kid in your game right there. All right. So listen, a league best, the Detroit lions, a league best 29.5 fantasy points per game at the running back position. We know how much the lions want to use running backs. They have an unbelievable offensive line. That's something that we saw clearly last year with the way that both DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams were able to work in this backfield. With the way that the Lions should use David Montgomery and the fact that Jamal Williams had 17 touchdowns last year, we can see a massive regression from this role within this Lions offense and still see Montgomery smash This six and a half spot. I am absolutely taking the over on six and a half rushing touchdowns for David Montgomery playing that Jamal Williams short yardage goal line between the tackles. Get him in the end zone. Yes, I'm smashing the over. What about you? I I knew it. I I love it. Um, You know, former bear. Is that the hard part? Is that what this is? 
No, no, this one's tough for me because I do think it's a really good line. Like, I think that six and a half, I think seven is probably the projection, but I have him at eight personally, so I will take the over. It is really close. There isn't a lot of space, but I think you make an incredible case. Look at that. Hey. Space. And so I, too, will take an over, but I wouldn't, if somebody was like, nah, I'm going to save my money and not bet this bet, I think that's probably the better strategy. I totally understand that. Better strategy if you want to not make money. Totally get that. All right, let's move ahead and talk about some Keenan Allen in our lives. Liz, I've been all over. I, like, I love Keenan Allen this year. I'm super stoked about what he could potentially be inside of this Chargers offense, especially with Kellen Moore coming over. We're expecting a positive regression from Justin Herbert last year, which is crazy because Justin Herbert wasn't even like bad from a passing game perspective. He's through for almost 5,000 yards still. 4,800 passing yards. Uh, 25 touchdowns. So I think he can be a lot better, though. We both know that. Keenan Allen missed quite a bit of time last year. And when I look at this number, I think that's the thing that really gets me. And that's the hard part is knowing that Keenan Allen turned 31 this offseason, right? They brought in Quinton Johnston, who was going to be there as well as Mike Williams, as well as Joshua Palmer was there last year. I think this line is just as much of can a 31-year-old Keenan Allen stay healthy enough games to reach this 875-yard mark with the fact that they have added other weapons to this offense. Because he's beat this in like five of the last seven seasons. The only time that he hasn't beat this mark is because he got hurt and didn't finish out the season. So for me... I want to take the over here because I still see Keenan Allen being heavily utilized in this offense in spite of all of those things, still living in that slot role. Maybe if he played on the outside and was more of a DeAndre Hopkins type wide receiver, I might take the under on this, but because he lives in the slot and I expect positive regression from Justin Herbert in this offense, I'm taking the over on Keenan Allen at 875.5 receiving yards this year. What about you? I think you laid this out really nicely. Um, there were uh, there was that stretch of five years, right, where Keenan Allen was ultra-reliable. He cleared 900. In fact, I think four of those five years, he cleared 1,000 yards, and he was just under that amount, but over 900 two year, uh, three years ago. Three years ago, yep. Last year, though, that, like, he was limited to 10 games, and people were like, oh, he's 30. This is the beginning of the decline. And so I think that this line is a reaction to that mm -hmm. people hedging that the window on him is over and shrinking yep. and or shrinking and so i agree with you though keenan allen has additionally if we want to extend beyond those past five years what came before was that he was dubbed with this um injury prone narrative that he thwarted so what is to say that a player like Keenan Allen, even at 31, can't thwart it again and come back? Do I expect 1,100 receiving yards? Probably not. But do I think he gets to 945? Sure. I'll take the over as well. I like it. I like you, Liz. Also, I just like taking the over. I realize we're not supposed to just take the over, but it's more fun to be excited about this situation. Keenan Allen's a tough one, though. Like a lot of these, all of these are tough. They said like these lines are made specifically to be really tough conversations when you're trying to decide which side, you know, you want to be on. But everything that has to do with the Chargers, I think, is really interesting this year based on who Justin Herbert is going to be in this Kellen Moore led offense. And we're going to close it out with a good one here, Liz Loza. Mm. The hate on Mike Evans has just oh, it's it's huge right now. Mike Evans over under on receiving touchdowns 
is five and a half. Five and a half for a guy that we've watched just mash in the touchdown department. Mind you, he's had Tom Brady, but just mash in the touchdown department. Basically his entire career, it almost doesn't matter who has been under center for him. Are you taking the over or under on five and a half receiving touchdowns for Mike Evans? I hate us for choosing this one, I, by the uh, way. I know. But it does tell the most illuminating, illuminating fantasy story because the reaction, the overreaction, I think, on Mike Evans and his precipitous fall is baked into this exact line. You mentioned the post-Tom Brady era, right? But did we all forget the missed connections between those oh, two man. last year? Were we not all living and dying and thinking, what the heck has, like, these two need to go out for breakfast or brunch and like get themselves some mimosas and chat it up because they are not on the same page. And, and so I think that like, maybe I'm not expecting Baker Mayfield to be as efficient as Tom Brady, but also Evans drew a catchable target rate of around 74%, which is wide receiver 65 for the entire three years that Brady was under center and stunningly, Evans' catchable target rate was slightly higher in 2018, which was the Fitzmagic Jamison Jameis Winston year. Yep. And so we do we do we automatically think that Mike Evans is no longer a contested catch monster who can maybe not put up yardage and a ton of volume, but can come down, can still climb the ladder and come down with the ball in the red area of the field? I do. Like, give me seven touchdowns. I'm not worried about. Do we? Mike Evans is going to catch four touchdowns this season if he plays six games. Yeah. I, I Liz, is Mike Evans still six foot five? I believe. I don't think he's shrunk yet. I think that happens when you turn like 50. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. So then I'm going to take Mike Evans for over five and have like everything that you just laid out. He's still this guy that should dominate in the painted area. Like no one else. Chris Godwin's not going to be that guy in this offense. Right. I don't see that happening from anyone else here. If there's anyone that is going to dominate, I feel like in the red zone, it has been Mike Evans for this team for the past almost decade. It's going to continue to be Mike Evans in my estimation this year. So I am taking the over on five and a half receiving touchdowns, by the way, Mike Evans is another one of those guys. I know that like sometimes we talk about the boom bust nature and that gets really frustrating for us, but like it, it's hard to have found a better wide receiver over the last eight to nine years with everything that he has done thousand yard season after thousand yard season, or double digit touchdowns and half of his seasons. Like the dude is just unreal. Sometimes I give Mike Evans more hate than he deserves. So maybe this is just me saying Mike sometimes, sometimes that happens, but we still love you, man. Cause like you're so stinking good at fantasy football. You've been good for so long. Also, just to put like a fantasy button on this, like whether you want to bet this prop or not, Mike Evans is going in real drafts, like in my home league draft that we opened the show talking about in rounds like eight or nine. That means oh he's gosh. probably your wide receiver four or five, depending on how you built your flex. Stop it. Okay. To, like you can find uh, a better You don't better even have to roll him out week four. one. Yeah, that's that's unreal. If you're able to do that, I almost don't think that you're telling me the truth. That just seems impossible that he's actually going I to the I would never eighth. lie to you, Dave, Daniel. Okay. All right. I'll buy that. I'll I buy never that. Lie to you. I believe it. All right, Liz Loza, this has been a ton of fun. Props that pop coming out once a week throughout the season. Let everybody know what else you are writing in case they want to check out some of the other stuff that you are doing here at ESPN. Um, you can check weekly now, starting in the season. You can check out my facts versus feelings column. I have to admit, this has been a joy to write. Um, 
debuting a new column at a relatively new location is always a little bit something, but the butterflies have come back with it. So I hope everyone who's reading it is feeling the energy with which it is being put into the universe. And um, if you live in Los Angeles or on the West Coast, check me out on SportsCenter, dishing out takes um, here when field is not, I hope. And <laughs> um, we've got our props to the pop That's right. Hot takes from the LA SportsCenter. Make sure you check Liz Loza out. Follow her at Liz Loza underscore FF on the X. Liz, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We love being able to have you here. I love being able to have you here. I don't need to say we. It's just me on the show today. I love being able to have you here. Thank you so much to everybody for hanging out with us. We love you. Don't forget to love each other. Be kind to yourself. You have earned that. We cannot wait to see you guys tomorrow. We'll be back on Tuesday. See you then. Liz, best show ever. Mike who? I don't even know Field's middle name. That's not true. I do know his middle name. But who needs him? I do too. Yeah, that's fair. Spit, I'm telling you